If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Mike McFucking McCready right there. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. Hello and welcome everyone to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. Uh, Once again, you're hearing me at the beginning of the show. You may be used to that by now, you may be not. My name is John Farrar. Uh, You usually hear Randy Sobel at the beginning, but uh, he is still on paternity leave. He will be back next week, though. Uh, We're all very excited. And I want to thank all the people that have have come on and and helped me out uh, co-hosting during these few weeks. And uh, today is no exception. I've got some co-hosts here uh, that we're going to get to in just a second. But first, I would be remiss uh, if I did not mention that we have a new patron, uh, Kathy Berenson. I wanted to mention at the top of the show because I did not mention her last week. Apologies to Kathy. Uh, Thank you so much, Kathy, for joining up. She joined up as a bonus leg. I hope she's getting to enjoy all the bonus content over there. Um, We did have a little bit of Pearl Jam news this week. Uh, They've announced the soundtrack to the movie Flag Day, which has uh, evidently is going to have new songs from Ed and Glenn Glenn Hansard. and also features, I believe, the recording debut of Olivia Vedder, uh, who sings a song written by Ed and Glenn Hansard uh, called My Father's Daughter. Uh, if you've seen the trailer for that movie, uh, you can hear her voice there, so check that out. It'll be interesting to see if it's a new original song or a cover. I'm sure we'll get some some news on that in the near future. Um, but today we are going to be covering a show from a, a city that we have not yet covered. We've done 141 of these, and we have not yet uh, covered a, a show from this this metropolis and it's a big one it's los angeles california and we are going back to 2013 uh to the lightning bolt tour and night two and uh joining me here we have jason and paul from the state of love and trust podcast how are you guys doing hello doing well happy to be here I can't believe this is the first LA show you've ever done. 141 the shows. The very first one. Yeah, we we have been accused of having a little bit of an East Coast bias. Well, We've been yeah. Trying to to <laughs> rectify that uh, a little bit this year, and we're we're gonna get to a bunch of shows uh, later this year too. I think we're gonna have a whole West Coast run, but yeah, this is the first the first LA one that we've done. So, uh, talk a little bit about that, guys. Like you guys are are out there in in California, like you know. 
a lot of people know Philly shows and in New York shows and Seattle shows and Chicago shows. You guys have been to a bunch of these uh, from what we talked about in Los Angeles. What is what is kind of the vibe of these? What's what do they what do they bring to these shows? What's what's it like seeing a show in Los Angeles? Well, you know, I think uh, it, when I go back to the shows that Jason and I attended in uh, 2009 during the Backspacer tour. And there were four of those actually at the Gibson. That's a great run, yeah. Which has since been demolished. We've been to two shows now, two venues in LA that it's yeah. no, no longer <laughs> so, a thing. So the Gibson was replaced with Harry Potter Land. That's I think. true. <laughs> Is that right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> at Universal Studios. And uh uh what what did they knock the sports arena down for? It's just a parking the, uh it's called Bank of California Stadium, home of Los Angeles Football Club. Uh they're uh, they're playing my uh, Lenny United coming up here in a couple they of weeks. They are, I'll be there, John. I have to talk, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. So, in any case, um, you know what, what's interesting about these these LA shows is that um, I think Pearl Jam, I think they get really jazzed up to play Southern California. Uh, you know, there's always going to be some cool cameos in the crowd whenever they come out here, just because of of the, the, the concentration of, of music artists that live out here. Um, and, and I think the energy too; they they really feed off the energy of the crowd. Uh, I think the shows that we went to, there was a just an overall just a great sense of, of, of fandom. I mean, uh, you get everybody in the crowd knows every word, and there's just a ton of singing. And I think he, he, uh, he meaning Eddie, really feeds off that. The band is is always very energetic. You never get it, not that they ever phone it in anywhere they go necessarily, but uh, you definitely get the sense when they come to L.A., that they're really, really excited for these shows. And I think part of it is what you just mentioned, the fact that it's a metropolis. So they know, okay, we're going to do at least two or three shows here, right? We might even do four mm-hmm. if the venue is small enough. And so uh, they really get a chance to explore the set list. They get a, a chance to really kind of mine the catalog and think about what kind of connections they want to make. A uh, great example would be, uh, you know, they did Elderly Woman, I think this is an 09 though, the Gibson. And, and, you know, he was talking about, uh, you know, this is for those of you from, uh, from Carpinteria or, uh, that was from uh, this and, show. Oh, it's from this show. I got, yes. man. We'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that. So <laughs> there may be a little uh, nod to some little nod. That, so he, that he starts to, just, yeah. I, I've, I think I heard that song on every show here in LA. Yeah. So I, I mix them up, but, uh, he, he'll drop all these little places. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that being in San Diego for a period, you, you just got to believe like there was just this, this uh, affinity for Southern California that it has. And he probably knows a lot of folks and met a lot of folks from L.A. and probably came up here with bad radio and and, and did different things like that. So I think there's uh, there's kind of a hearkening back to some roots for him. The Chili Peppers, too. Chili Peppers are an L.A. band, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're down in L.A. I mean, I want to say Mike. Yeah resides down here a lot when he's not up in Seattle as well. I think he's down in Southern California. Um, so yeah, there's I, just I always a great Paul, the, the other thing, not to cut you out there, but the other thing yeah. I think about you talking about the crowds out here, I've seen, I've been lucky enough to see the band in, in a few different parts of the country. I've, I've seen them in Seattle a couple of times. I've seen them in New York a number of times, Hartford, Connecticut, Boston, Philly, Reading, PA, uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. You get a different, 
vibe in some of those other places. But the well, thing, bands don't move to West Palm Beach, Florida to quote unquote make it, right? I mean, nobody just, gets off the my bus point saying, is, we're in West Palm, when, baby. Listen when to I this. saw them in West Palm. <laughs> oh, we're going to get letters from West yeah. Palm Beach now. <laughs> when I saw them in West Palm 03. Where's the Capitol Records building? I don't see it. It's not there. <laughs> They, um, there's just a it's different not- energy you get and the response from the crowd that would go to a show in New York or Boston or Hartford or something like that or Philadelphia, if you fold the map over of the, of the country, you do get a lot of those transplants um, in this part of the country. So you have a similar crowd oftentimes to people that you would be playing to on the East Coast. So I think, and on top of that, you mentioned him spending a time out here Obviously, with Bad Radio, who had been playing down here a lot. I mean, you look at the first few years, first maybe like before, even before they blew up, the, maybe the first two years, they played LA like fucking 20 times. Like they played it a ton. Palladium and Hollywood. Yeah, we, we were talking about our, um, we were talking about our, uh, our live cut of the week and we couldn't figure out exactly uh, where the hell that version of Wash came from. Luckily, John came we found out. it. After the we found it, yeah. <laughs> you Thanks, guys John. Know, like you were yeah, yeah. yeah, guys. I literally told Jason that we're re-recording that bit. He's <laughs> like, "What? No, I'm dead serious." <laughs> now I know it. That's that's the version that we yeah. should have had on there. Well, and also they recorded all of Backspacer at the Jim, Jim Henson Studio. Not here, I guess I say most of Backspacer at the Jim Henson Studios. Yeah. They recorded, um, I think, a fair bit of a number of other albums, including Lightning Bolt down here, and they did a whole gigaton listening party at, at, in an Atmos venue that's in Hollywood. Right. They're they're that's super. Right super aware of how of la and, and what happens down here and so i think they have a lot of friends and so you get Dave lives out this. here dave Grohl, you know yep yep so always a good time out here my friend and i've gone to a number of shows since 2006 in this part of the country so very aware of the vibes so we, we kind of gave you guys you know free reign over which one you were going to pick so so why did you pick this night two from 2013 as the one you wanted to cover I don't know. Jason just told me we're talking about it. So. <laughs> well, you know, I figured, you know, if you're going like, to have which us of on, the plethora of shows, <laughs> you should have us on, on the show that we've been to together. And well, that yeah. was the most recent show we've been to together. That's it true. was a lovely okay. show. We were on the floor. So and you, you mentioned, you know, you hadn't done anything from L.A. So why not? Right on. So uh, walk us through the, uh, the 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 day there. What you guys went went to the show together? Were you you guys have been friends for a long time? You're doing this the State of Love and Trust mm-hmm. podcast together now. What was it like, kind of leading up to the show? Because you guys went to night one too. Mm-hmm. What what was what was that show like? You know, give us a brief overview. We'll get to that one eventually. Yeah, uh, we can have you have you back on at some point to, to talk about that one. Um, but what was it like? What, what were you, what were you thinking leading up to this uh, this night too? I think uh, we were up in the rafters for night one, like stage right, if I recall. Yeah, real side but, stage. Uh, yeah. And so so when we got the floor tickets, we were just stoked over the moon. I mean, this was going to be – I had never actually seen him on the floor before. So this – that's not true. I saw him uh, – uh, He's already I saw him in San Francisco. But it was uh, – yeah, I know. <laughs> but, I mean, I was far back at that point in time. That, that was at a uh, different venue. This particular show, though, we were going to be right up against it. And so I was over the moon excited. And uh, my wife and I went, met up with Jason. She had a coworker that was a huge Pearl Jam fan. And so he took the, the, the other ticket and, uh, you know, doing the merch thing before time. We're getting our posters. And I bought a little Pearl Jam onesie, actually. And it was for uh, my daughter. For yourself? For, yes, for myself. Okay. Exactly. It's just, you know. Got to got to fit the feminine <laughs> figure. <laughs> so I got the uh, this Pearl Jam onesie because I had a, 
a daughter on the way. And nobody knew this, though, other than my wife, of course. And so I, I p- picked this thing up and I, it wasn't time to spill the news yet. So I, I, I wanted to buy it there from the show because I wanted to say that the first article of clothing I ever bought my daughter was a onesie from a Pearl Jam show. And so I, I stuffed it in the merch bag and uh, I, I put the posters on top for the show. And Jason and I, we collect these things. You know, we're very diligent about taking care meticulous. of them. You know, very meticulous, you know, and so <clears throat> get them framed and mad and all that jazz. So we're trying to, you know, be careful with these things. And so <clears throat> I had the onesie in there and I, the whole time I was thinking, God, I hope this onesie doesn't just like screw up the corners of my poster. man. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> we finally get into the floor and it's just uh, this outstanding experience to be that close to the stage. You know, I mean, you got the, the techs out there just warming things up for the guys. And we, I just remember thinking this is going to blow my mind. I mean, I can't wait to see this place filled up. And uh, there's a moment at the end of the show during a signature song that I was able to just turn around and take it all in and, and get the, get a glimpse of what that looks like from the point of view of the band. And it was one of the most arresting experiences that I've ever had. Yeah, it was, um, I just remember talking to our buddy Jay in line, kind of filling him in on what he missed of night one. And we, and you, you know, there's a moment very early on in night one with, uh, with corduroy and, and and ed stops the show for some asshole and like one of the front rows kind of yeah. messing with some woman and eventually they kicked them out and he's like no more of that bullshit and like he was in a, and, you, and you knew because there's like song like two or three i think it was really early and i remember looking at paul and i go "Ooh, an angry ed is one as a fun uh, ed salty ed's gonna be good for and so that show had its own <laughs> level of spice my friend so eventually when we get to that one there were no quarters thrown, though. No, no quarters. quarters thrown. <laughs> Ed wears his heart on his sleeve at every show. You always know how he's doing. Exactly, he's exactly. Good at hiding how he's feeling. Well, yeah. So the, going into night two, you know, I'm talking to Paul. I'm talking to Jay, and I'm like, you know, what are you looking forward to? And he, and he goes, uh, "My father's son." And, and and he reveals that's his favorite song. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, what? Song is not that good. <laughs> really? But okay, you do you, man. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're kind of recapping and trying to catch your breath. And I, I think I actually got into a car accident on the way to the show. Like some gal um, uh, rear-ended me on the off-ramp of the 10 freeway to try and get off to the, go to the show. And turns out it was like a hit and run because her license was all invalid and shit. Ooh. So that was fun. But uh, The so 10 I was a freeway, that's, that's a nice, that's a nice tie in there. Exactly. Mm. So that was a, <laughs> that was a, uh, that was a weird way to start the night. But then when I got there, it yeah. all kind of went away, you know, and I was in a good mood and talking about, you know, what, what we're going to hear. You know, we heard all, all these songs last night. We heard black last night. We're not going to hear black again tonight for sure. And then, you know, running in there, as soon as they open the gates and you get in there for GA, everyone, you know, all the, all the quote unquote psychopaths like us uh, racing to the front on the floor of the LA sports arena uh, and just trying to find your spot. And then everyone kind of like takes their seat and I was making friends and who, who are you, where are you from? So it's just, it was cool. Um, I think I'd been on the floor maybe a couple of times before, maybe once before, but it was, it was the first time with, um, with good, with close friends. And, uh, it was just really, really cool. So we, we were just, we were in there to, to experience something. And we knew that they were stoked to be there because, you know, I know uh, Bruce Springsteen had told Ed that they got to play there, uh, which is weird because they played there in, in 91 before the famous um, Cow Palace New Year's Eve show. But um, yeah. yeah, we the were just really so He loved the sound. Yes, yeah, love the sound quality. So we were in there, so ready to go. Acoustics had. were ready to go. And 
Because we were do? baffled. We were like, why have they not played the bowl? Why are we not seeing them? I at know. The that's bowl? so weird. There's so you many know, venues I, here, John, and they haven't I, I, played the bowl yet, which mm-hmm. is it's, incredibly it, weird because it's, it's like so an famous. iconic LA venue. And so mm-hmm. for them to be there, we're thinking, God, we're like driving all the way out here just to watch them play this, this, this old dump. This old clunky <laughs> arena. <laughs> this clunky arena. It's, oh, well, apparently the boss says it rocks. So what so the hell do we know? <laughs> so, yeah, um, that was so the show. <laughs> Yeah. Let, let's get into this because this show has got some twists and turns and we, we've got a lot to get to here. So we open up here with Oceans. One, two, three. Hold on to the thread. The currents will share. For the West Coast, that yeah. is something you guys get out there that we don't usually get a lot over here. Uh, we start off with the front three here. Uh, I'm going to throw in some soccer references for you, Jason. Please. Um, oceans, low light, and present tense. Mm-hmm. I thought this, you guys have got to be blown away by this t- opening three. You're thinking, what are we in for tonight? Like, this is a, this is a top three that indicates that something special is going to happen. Oh, Oceans isn't played very much. I think it's what is no. the least played off, off of 10. Yeah, um, correct. Funny enough. It's a great opener, the in, too. The intro. It, it was like <laughs> hearkening back to old school L.A. shows, you know, when yeah, they would actually yeah, yeah. open a 10-set with Oceans. So we were we were super stoked with that one. And I'm a big fan of Low Light. I mean, it's one of my favorite songs, um, especially off of Yield. So when they came out with that, I, that was a song that I was convinced I would never hear live. Ever. So it was just really? such a treat to hear. Yeah, I just didn't think I'd ever hear that one live. You know? Well, I mean, Low Light, the last time I saw the band in Seattle, they did play Low Light, and it was, I think, the second song after mm-hmm. uh, maybe Long Road. I forget. I but guess they like it in the two It's found a home there. It's on bass often. It's on bass often. But to throw in present tense at number three, that's not a song you usually hear that early in the set. So I remember – us being on the floor and then Mike starts, starts in with the riff and I'm like, Ooh, okay. Like 
I love that song a lot. And what I can really remember is once they, they really built it up in a nice linear fashion where it kind of got more aggressive as it went. Um, whereas I think I feel like the studio kind of builds in stages. And once we got to the, the outro, the jam outro, I noticed everyone around us was bouncing and like, that's a fun jam. That's a good little rock and roll jam, but it's not like fucking blood or anything. It's not, no. you know, it's not crazy heavy rock and roll, but everyone's kind of bouncing on the floor. I'm like, we're three songs in and people are bouncing the present tense. It's going to be a good night. Jeff really stood out to me on these front three, too. You know, his tone on Oceans is very, very good. You're getting a lot of vibes from Jeff early on here. Low Light is, is a Jeff song. Yeah. And then his his fills on that that buildup in present tense that you were talking about, he just he is running all up and down the fretboard on that thing. Sounds really, really good. Really stood out early on here. Now, we did and not again, expect, you're... by the way, what came after these three. Because mm-hmm. that, that was yeah. a surprise to get this this early, by the way. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's 2013, and you're getting uh, a deep cut from 10, a deep cut from Yield, the deep cut from No Code to open the show. Yeah, you're thinking, yeah, where this is going to be one of those. <laughs> where are we nights. going? Well, I didn't and expect they, uh, Interstellar Overdrive to come after. Yeah, that. Interstellar I mean, Overdrive comes in. Uh, we get a little section here with Interstellar Overdrive into Corduroy, Lightning Bolt, and Amongst the Waves, and we're kind of transitioning. You know, you don't really get a a quote-unquote like a punk rock set here you're not getting like a hail hail or save you or go or an animal or anything like that um would you guys think of uh of kind of changing the changing it up here getting these kind of like mid-tempo kind of soaring ones here well that's where the band shines i mean i know lightning bolt at the time was jason's favorite track off the album uh amongst the waves was up there for me and uh, corduroy just is it's the quintessential pearl jam mid-tempo track and so i think having having those three looped in that way it it really kind of let you sit with that tempo as opposed to bouncing up and down you know there wasn't a lot of um ebb and flow it was just let's just sit on this wave if you will for a bit and just kind of coast with it and i think it allowed the show to settle into a groove as well as as us yeah and the thing with corduroy is it was pre-extended jams. Uh, I'm not too big of a fan of the crowd work they've added in the last couple of years. Okay. Um, and yeah. then they extended it again, uh, maybe a year or two after they started doing this with the with the extra like mic solo. And for me, like it kind of breaks up the momentum momentum of the song. So I'm not a fan of those of those changes. But in 2013, we were before that, and so they just kind of fire right into the mic solo, which of course is amazing. And then they have a really cool double time um, outro from Matt, which is which is great. I love that. And I think the combination of Interstellar into Corduroy 
they used to do a lot more often. I think earlier in this century, it sounds old to say that, but like, yeah. it's true. Like in the early two yeah. thousands, like yeah. I feel like they did it a lot more. You're not, you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, Thank, thanks for making me feel old. <laughs> but you know, I think it was really great to, to head from there straight into lightning bolt because I do love that song. I think it's a really, I remember Mike at the time saying he thought it was going to be a great live song. I think he's damn right. I think it keeps the momentum going, keeps everybody on their high and then going into amongst the lawyers, which I think I've learned to love a lot more over the years. Um, I think when it came out on, on backspace, I was like, Oh, this is cute. This is fine. I like this. This is fine. But then I've really come around to, I think I ended up watching back some performance from it might've been ACL from like 2014 or something like that. And it was just incredible. I go, you know what? This song is great. Um, so the keeping that um, up really high was awesome. I think it was cool that he dedicated that to all the surfers out there. Mm -hmm. I think he tends to do at least once per West coast show. <laughs> that, that, that brings up a good question for you guys. Cause you know, you're right. Uh, I, we got to talk about, you know, you mentioned Corduroy, the solo. Mike really goes off script on the Corduroy solo. It's fantastic. lets those notes hang like that but it does kind of end with a whimper uh before lightning bolt he says let's keep this thing going gets it going and then he says you know before like you mentioned before amongst the wave talks about how him and mike got to surf in mm -hmm. and sundays are kind of hard to knock the roof off did you did you feel like it was a little bit subdued early on being like a sunday night well i mean it's you come out playing oceans and then low light and present tense on the mid-track corduroy i mean at, at some point it's like hey is it the crowd or is it the fact that you guys are cruising at 55 okay. and it's you know, yeah i mean yeah. at some point it's like are, are we gonna move into the fast lane here and so i don't blame the band i was enjoying it i mean it, i i thought where they set the show up was was fantastic it felt like a real narrative was being built uh, both sonically and i mean you know if, if you want to look at the lyrical content you could make some connections there too but i do think that uh they, they noticed, I wouldn't call it a lull, but I think there was kind of a, um, uh, I guess you'd call it a bit of a disconnect, I think, um, 
Jason, when did Ed, when did they look over to the right and see a uh, very prolific member of a 70s classic rock band sitting oh. in the crowd? Was that this early or was it later? No, it was later. Okay. I think it was right. I think it was probably in the encore. <laughs> we'll we'll get to him too. We'll say yeah. about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was um and- you know, they don't play back-to-back nights anymore, really that often. If they're playing two shows in a city, they still have a day off. You know, mm-hmm. Fenway and, Ch- and uh, Wrigley in 2016, there was a day in between. Seattle and Chicago and Fenway in 2018, there's a day in between. So, I mean, at the time they were, what year is this? 2013, the year of our Lord. So we're talking uh, huh. eight years prior. So he's 48. It's 48 at the yeah. time. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's not, they're not that old, but it's... It, it's still that's that's a lot of energy to be expelling the night before with 30 some odd songs and then coming back nights the same night. I mean, it's not like in 03, 15 or uh, 10 years earlier than that, when they're only 38 playing, you know, a three and a half hour set at the garden and coming right back the same the next night and playing crazy Mary out of the gate like that. They could do that then at 38. Um, I mean, I could do that now at 39 if I had any kind of skill, but <laughs> maybe not when they're 48 and definitely not when they're 56. So yeah. I, I don't mind. And you, you look at present tense again, present tense starts kind of calm and slow, but it builds up. So they use kind of the crescendo within present tense to bring it to the level of corduroy and then lightning bolt, you know, amongst the waves. And so I didn't mind it. Um, I was content right there. It was, it was after that where they, they I took my, well, I don't really miss songs, at, but if I was the kind of person to go miss a song over a bathroom break, that's where I'd, I'd make my bathroom break. <laughs> the next song. Yeah, track number eight here, I think, was... Uh, <laughs> well, except for Jay. Jay was over the moon. Jay was excited. excited. Ed comes on says... If you've ever had a father that ended up in prison, this song's for you. I come from a genius and I am my father's son. And you get the third ever performance of uh, My Father's Son and the first on the West Coast leg. Talk about this a little bit. You guys said you had... uh, Hey, I was grateful for it. I know it sounds weird to say. I was grateful for it because I knew this is going to be one of those tracks that is often... that is never played. Like, I knew I was here and I heard it. Check it out. Up on the old PJ stat tracker. Mm -hmm. But then I knew that I, I... I'm never going to hear this song again. I, I mean, it doesn't matter where I go see him play. It, it'll be one in a million that I happen to be in the venue that part of the world that night where they decided, ah, oh, what the heck, let's pull this one out of the old bag. And uh, so I, I was grateful for that reason. You know, my hope is always to hear when they release a new album, to hear as much of it as possible because I never know how much of it's going to sustain itself through time and keep yeah. keep finding itself within circulation You know, as, as they go through the catalog. So. To that degree, I was happy to hear it, but it wasn't necessarily a song that I that I, I, I particularly find endearing. Yeah, and there there are songs that you know find their sea legs uh, live versus in the studio. And we've had a whole show kind of about that. What, we, what songs we think are better live than, than the reverse? Um, and there is a song in a few that we think does much better in that form. I don't think that this one did that. I think it was as what it is from the album i was hoping that it would be uh that would have a little bit more teeth to it 
But, you know, aside from Jeff's bass tone, which, like you said before, was great, um, it didn't really do much for me, and I was happy to move on to Given the Fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Given the Fly here, I think, you know, it's it's in the even flow spot. You don't get even flow until later on, but we're here kind of at this mid-point, mm-hmm. almost, the main setting. You, you mentioned it earlier where you talked about, you know, this this wave is just kind of, we're just kind of riding this wave. We're just kind of like waiting for something we're waiting for it to break and given to fly i think is the the first one first time at this show where it it really explodes and the show really elevates this is a really fantastic version of given to fly and you can really you can you can tell ed you know goes to sing to the back for the second verse like he's he's walking all over the stage they i think this is the point where they're they're really feeling this is the first performance where you're like okay they they came to play with this one yeah it was interesting being so close to the stage and having Ed walk to the back of the stage and sing to the folks back there. I remember thinking to myself, that's awesome, but wait a minute, I'm over here, man. <laughs> I finally yeah. get to the floor and you're singing to the, to the rear. But, but I thought it was super cool that in an arena that was, that was designed that way, that he recognized the opportunity to kind of like look around and, and actually loop them in. And kind of give them that moment where they could kind of look down and say, wow, we're not just like staring at the back of the band the whole time, you know? So I, I, yeah. I, I was grateful for that as well. Uh, Jason, wasn't there a, a woman holding like a sign for fatal? Wasn't that at yeah. the show? Yeah. There, I, think, I remember I seeing right. a, a, this was like, there was a, a period where people were holding up signs for songs all the time and, and, and fatal yeah. happened to be a very popular one for a while. I remember seeing a woman holding up the, a song for fatal back there. And I don't recall if the if anybody in the band acknowledged that. I want to say that to some degree it was acknowledged, but they, they didn't actually play the song, obviously, during the show. Right. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, now, when he comes back around, though, uh, it was interesting because it, it, where do you go from a song like Given to Fly? Uh, it, it has this this epic ending. So it, it was it was fascinating. I was expecting them to go with something heavier, like uh, something off of, uh, off of um, 10, you know, 10 maybe, or, or animals yeah. or go or something. And yeah. I did not expect what came right next. Right back to lightning bolt. <laughs> right, right back to lightning yeah, bolt. Yeah. You, you, you bookend given to fly this little section with another deep cut from lightning bolt. Only it's the sixth performance ever of swallowed whole. And this feels like one that, like you guys said, like that never really found a play. It never really blossomed live like something like Lightning Bolt did or like something like Unthought Known or Just Breathe has. Yeah, It, it felt like it, it never really had a chance. It's one of those Ed songs. It's uh, It reminds me of Gone. It's hmm. You know what I mean? It's okay. just this kind of like Ed solo vehicle to a degree. Not in the way that Just Breathe and the end are, but um, it, it's just that type of track that, that never really seems to gain traction. And, and I think that when you hear it, you think they're going to play this a lot, you know, and they're going to try to, to, to make it into something. And um, the same way I felt like Gone kind of had that little movement behind it from the band in terms of pushing it out that way. And it just doesn't seem to, to grasp hold the way that I think sometimes they think that it might. And so uh, just like with my father's son, looking back on it now, I'm glad I had the chance to hear it live only because it's another track that I doubt will ever be featured in a show I attend. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely one of the tracks off the record that I was not, I mean, I thought, again, I thought it was fine. Um, I didn't find it to be wholly necessary, aside from checking it off my stat tracker app. I th- I yeah. thought it was a little bit more rocking than the studio version, which was cool. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it's not bad. It's just one that I never think about. 
Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's, when I think about playing Lightning Bolt, there's probably seven, eight songs, and I'm like, yes, like, I want to hear those songs. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Swan Hall, I forgot about that one. <laughs> like, I forget it's on the, on the record. And so it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And so when it was over, I was like, huh. But then you hear the preamble to one of my favorite songs. And I was like, oh, and we're back. <laughs> and the way, he, the, the way he played that, too, it was so reminiscent of the way we used to get it back in, in like 95 and it I because there was a period where the, he didn't play that little intro you know what I mean it was a long time where it was just played and it, let's just go into the first note and I thought it was really really exceptional to hear the way that they kind of reintroduced some of these songs in ways that uh, maybe we hadn't heard in a while we need uh, Romanza coming back mm-hmm. nice. maybe that'd be pretty but yeah cool. this, this, ne- this next little section starts with Immortality into uh, infallible and small town and this i agree with you guys that this immortality is is much needed in this set like you need it after you know all these kind of lightning bolt deep cuts and kind of late era songs you needed something of course something from the old days to kind of grab this crowd you know and shake them in into paying attention again almost like mike is absolutely stellar on this cameron just owns the jam at the end like this is this is definitely a standout performance from the show i thought exceptional uh, loved it it's, it's one of my top five to ten pearl jam songs of Doris oh, yeah. track and i always wanted to hear it with that that little preamble that jason talked about so to, to hear remember, it played in that way i yeah. felt like i got to, to, to experience something that previously i was only able to vicariously experience through my bootlegs and so i was really excited about this particular rendition and, and i think you, you mentioned it correctly john uh in that Mike solo is fantastic. Blistering. He was great. And they, when the song, you know, ends, quote unquote, there is that little outro dealie that they kind of nibble on, but I think it, it goes on a little bit longer than usual. And it's, and it's welcome. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm down to hear some more of that. Like, we can wait on Infallible a few seconds. Just get, like, give, give me a little bit more <laughs> of this outro, you know what I'm saying? Through the cracks beneath the door.
it was a really fun, it, it, really fun rendition of the song, but also it's in a very weird spot for that song. Usually that's in an encore or maybe it ends the main set, but no, it's sitting here at what, like 13? No, 10. 10. 10, 10. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we've got kind of, if you, if you look at this, we've gotten these songs from lightning bolt are so interesting how they're spaced in here. It's almost like they've done that on purpose. Cause look, you had, you had the title track lightning bolt, then amongst the ways. And you go back to the lightning bolt album for my father's son, back to the nineties for given to fly back to the lightning bolt album for swallowed hole back to the nineties for mortality. Then here we are back to the lightning bolt album for infallible. And that's going to continue for the next couple of songs as well. So yeah. it's interesting how they, Almost like we're we're kind of going back and forth here. Well, this was we this was important, back. I think, for me. Yeah, uh, it was because being where I was, there's a certain booming thump that you get with those speakers right in front of you. And Infallible was the type of track that when I heard it on the album, it felt very overproduced uh, in a way that that turned me off to to a certain degree. And Jason and I have talked about this in terms of tracks that you know we think sound better live versus on the studio. And I had mentioned that on more than one occasion, I'd mentioned infallible as this, this shiny example of the track that you hear alive. And it just, it's a whole different complexion. And I think uh, not having that extra production and just letting that crunchy, just heavy guitar come in it. I, I felt it in my chest. I mean, it was just like this thumping, this, this sensation in your chest, and I developed this great affinity for this track live to the point where I, I'm actually hoping to hear it every time I go to a show because I want to experience it that way because I know I never will experience it on the album that way. So I, I was very, very appreciative of the opportunity to hear that song live. And, and it taught me that when you, when you listen to an album from Pearl Jam, especially at this era or in this era, I should say, uh, it's really important to to couple that experience with going to a show because you're going to find that there are certain songs and I can't wait to experience this with Gigaton because there's a number of songs that I think fall into this bucket that are, are going to have a different sound complexion live. And it's really important for you to, to kind of embrace the marriage between those two things to have a full, well-rounded global view of not only this song's place on the album but within the catalog as well because so much of what they do is because they want to go out and play live so infallible to me was just a great example of a song that that uh, i loved hearing live and i remember looking at jason and looking at my wife say god i wish it sounded like that on the <laughs> album <laughs> yeah it's it was important um i think for them to alternate the lightning bolt songs i think they really did want to check off the entire album while they were there and or, or as much as, the, as they could I'm to your point from earlier about my father's son. I'm glad they did. Cause I do want to check these songs off, but like you said, it does sound better live than on the, on the record. So I was yeah. pleasantly surprised and, you know, it sits in between two very famous songs, which we've heard a ton, especially the, the next ones coming up. Um, but the, the, you know, the older these guys get and the more new albums they put out, if you go and see them, you're still going to get so many of the earlier, um, you know, the first five, six albums, you're going to get a lot of that. And so as we go, like, we're going to go to a show, we're going to, you know, we're going to Ohana, probably not going to hear maybe one Backspacer song, maybe one uh, Avocado song, just because they're going to still lean heavily into, you know, the stuff that most people like. And so your opportunity to hear some of these songs is like, 
I am never going to hear Bushlager. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Maybe that's a bad example, but you know what I'm saying? So I, I was very happy to hear it. Um, and I'm happy to hear it again. If I do, uh, going into the next song real quick though, I will say that, uh, we talked about on a recent episode songs that, uh, what was it? It was songs that I think are, was it, I didn't have to hear again or something like that, or that are, I used, oh yeah, I used to love, but now don't as much kind of thing. And small town for me is a song, which I really enjoy, but I've heard it so many times. And it's such a simple pop song that there isn't a lot of dynamics to it. So the way that you get people involved is you do what Ed did and start naming random small towns in the area. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, I only recognized so, Reseda. I didn't recognize uh, Carpenteria. Carpenteria. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think it was that random, but I'm. I'm gonna go. I, oh, really? I 100% agree with. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a okay, second. Okay. Okay. I, I agree 100% with with Paul about Infallible. I love Infallible. It's one of my one of my favorites on that album. I think it is very good live, and I think it actually fits in thematically with a lot of the Gigaton stuff. So I would not mm, be surprised yes. if you if good you point. heard it uh, coming up uh, in this next tour. But yeah, um, Ed uh, does a thing where before Small Town uh, goes, says anyone from Reseda now. I think that might be a, a veiled like Tom Petty mm-hmm. Free Fallen reference because mm-hmm. isn't that like. Is just a smaller living in Reseda. Mm-hmm. I think he might have been given a little nod to Tom Petty there. So I don't think that was quite as random as, as some of the other towns that get mentioned. Yeah, F- uh, Fife, Carpinteria. Uh, what else did he say? Reseda. I'm trying. Reseda, to I got that. That one I know. The other ones mm-hmm. I've never heard. Yeah, yeah, I don't know the other ones. And then he he says it's for for Judd and Leslie. Obviously, that's Judd Apatow Correct, yeah, and yeah. Leslie Mann. So they're uh, Judd Apatow. You know noted Pearl Jam fan, so he's probably in attendance there. Um, the, uh, yeah, small town, again, the crowd takes it. chances for this crowd to really show what they can do do you guys remember that 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 hello in small town and being kind of like being impressed by the yeah the volume th- this that you got was there? Th- this was where you started to, to really get a sense of what the crowd could supply to a show like this in an arena this large and they waited 12 with, with songs this, to really have a chance to do it too yeah right? and so it what, what it did though was create a tremendous amount of anticipation for what some of the songs that we will hear in the uh, in the encore sunlight and uh, and the role the crowd can and does play or will play, I should say, uh, in those tracks as well. So it was a nice kind of foreshadowing of that. So we're after small town, we get a little section here. We get future days and even flow. And again, we're continuing with these alternating lightning bolt tracks. And this future days is important because there's an issue in the crowd Ed stops singing halfway through, gets very intense. You can see in the video, evidently someone in the front row faints, like loses consciousness and has to be brought over. It turns out they were okay, but you can see the look on his face flashing back to Roskilde and things like that. And like, 
it's it's like a mixture of like terrified, worried, intense. Like it's it's almost it's almost scary to watch because and and knowing you know he mentions that a couple of songs later we come back and you know someone had an issue but he's fine. Do you guys remember seeing that? Do you do you kind of do you remember feeling kind of the mood change? Well, he kind of messed up the lyrics in, in the first yeah. verse and then resumes it. it. I was like, yeah, is he doing that again? <laughs> and then you kind of you recognize that there's something happening in front of us. Yeah. I couldn't really tell what was happening. Um, well, that's the issue when you go to these shows. It's yeah, always the guy sure. that's like six foot five that stands in front of you. Right like, front of you. And, and you're always looking around and thinking, all right, there's got to be like 15 of these dudes around me. Right. And I'm looking on my left. I'm looking. No, it's just right in front of me. Every time. <laughs> like, <what the> heck? <laughs> so no, that there were there were little moments like that where all my energy was dedicated towards enjoying the music, and needling my way around to try and get a better view per song. You know, so there, there's all kinds of little things like that that I didn't even pay attention to. This is a, this is a weird future days too because you know it, now it's kind of become the almost the campfire thing but this is a very sparse like ed's almost basically solo jeff's doing some very it's weird subtle like, upright bass i didn't want i was hoping for some piano there's yeah. there's something about yeah. I, I wanted i wanted boom in there and so he's I, adding I was a little, little bit of stuff matt's not yeah. playing he's just singing i don't think mike is even was mike even on stage for this i don't think he's don't playing remember. anything at all yeah. Yeah. I, I, who knows i i don't remember yeah seeing him there or not but uh, like if you I listen to your headphones it, i can't tell if he's in there because usually he's in your left right. channel Right. And I don't remember hearing, I remember hearing Ed in his acoustic and then Matt singing. And then there, obviously something else was happening probably from Boom, but it wasn't the piano. So I was like, this is just an odd version of this. And I like the song a lot. It is. Yeah. It's just, yeah, only the 10th performance of, of Future Days. So interesting. But now after Future Days, we get to the payoff and we're going to get to a section here. Even Flow, Do the Evolution, Mind Your Manners. And Even Flow, it seems like they they've just been unleashed like ed does a thing where before the solo he calls out to mike like melt their fucking faces and the talk about talk about this do you remember I, there's a there's a moment where you can see mike just jab his headstock of his guitar into the amp like breaks the 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 front of the amp he's been known to do it uh yeah was this was this kind of the moment i this this had to be a big like cathartic moment at the show because yeah you had small town but you you hadn't gotten a song from 10 since the very first one yeah, they finally they finally got to a place where they wanted to let loose. I mean, it took them twelve songs to let the crowd let loose by singing "Small Town." I think you have a guy like Mike who, I think him and Matt are the two that if you said we're gonna play verses in ten and that's it, they'd be like, "Cool, let's rock out." Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't necessarily need the uh, the more dynamic, slow ones to intersparse. But I guess Ed had a plan and. They were probably a little, I mean, they're not going to not like playing their songs, but they were probably a little pent up and be like, let's go ahead and, and kick some ass here a little bit. And so when you listen to his solo and you see him reacting to the catharsis that he is uh, getting out at that point that he's, he, that he's experiencing, you really can feel that coming back at you. And, you know, it's one of the songs, even flow is that some people, um, like to go to the bathroom for because they've heard it a ton of times playing over 800 uh, times and i said to paul last episode that we did um i don't look at it that way i think the main riff and the groove is it never lets me down 
Mike's solo was always different. Hell, in 06, they even added a Matt solo before they got back sure. to the groove. So, like, there's always something to be said for for Mike um, uh, in that song, in, in that song in general. So I was super stoked to let the rest of myself come up to where my voice was for a small town before he got into the next couple that kept the energy up. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, listening to like we do, like almost a, a different version of even flow every week has given me a little bit of a new appreciation for it. Like Mike is in full Jimi Hendrix mode on this one, playing behind the back, falling down to his knees. He's, he's all over the place. And, Afterwards, we get a little, we get the first hint that, that Ed might be a little, might have imbibed a little too much. He calls out Mike and he calls him Mike McFucking McCready, <laughs> which is McFucking is just the, the perfect. The best. Yeah, that's, I, I'm surprised that that hasn't stuck around for Mike. Mc, that's a, that's Mike, on the secret uh, menu at McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Mike McFucking McCready right there. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And, uh, and not to mention, you know, I don't want to leave out Stone fantastic melodic stone solo during do the evolution we need our our stone solo alert uh banner to run here <laughs> fantastic and then getting to mind your manners we're finally you know you're getting a finally a section here where they're like this three where they're letting loose on this crowd like you guys got to be noticing a lot more people moving around and like oh, with yeah. all those lightning bolt songs sprinkled in you're kind of like you're getting into it and then you're like oh well maybe i don't know this one as much casual fans might not be as familiar with it but here you go like yeah you're giving people a chance to move for a few songs in a row and get get the blood flowing a little well, bit here's the thing about that john so if you if you're a savvy counter in your head of what's of what you've heard you recognize that you've heard damn near the entire lightning bolt album which then if you deduce from there means you probably got another 20 songs to come that are that can't be from that album so like what are they going to pull from you don't know where it's going to come mm. from um so i love man your man i think it's a, a great uh punky hard rock and song again another sick mike solo um so i'm happy to hear that whenever i hear it and it kind of it it kept the whole thing up my my wish is that they didn't then bring it back down <laughs> because the last two songs yeah. that, that keep yeah. things at a at a place, but I guess maybe for them for those forty eight year old bodies, they had to kind of keep it, kind of bring <laughs> it down for one song, I guess. Yeah, let's let's get to this because following mind your manners is is one of the if something very interesting happens, let's put it that way. So during sirens, uh, there's there's the moment where Ed you know gets the acoustic guitar to to kind of bring the song home and get get to the end. And and something happens. You guys, you guys were there. Walk me through what what you saw here. What you remember about about this little uh, incident here? We'll we'll say in sirens. happy with the way the guitar sounded i know that i heard it too like yeah we the thing about that song is i think i'm pretty sure they played it the night before so we saw them change instruments uh, i know that you know mike starts the song with his 12 string and ed is guitarless and then right before the solo 
uh, Mike switches out to his uh, Gretsch White Falcon guitar, which is fabulous. Mm-hmm. And from there, you see Ed receive his his 12 string. And the first drum, doom. it's like the whole band has kind of like receded for a second. It's before everything kicks back in again. And I'm like, that does not sound right to me. Am I hearing things wrong? And you hear, you see Ed look to the side stage and he strums it again. And then you get that, like the Jeremy eyes. And you're like, oh fuck, something's not right. <laughs> yeah, the Jeremy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the guitar tech brings out the guitar. Like you said, it's it's horribly out of tune. Ed looks back. The guitar tech runs out to get the guitar to rectify his his error. Instead of handing it to him, Ed kind of holds it back and then just drops it right as the tech is about to grab it. Like, fuck you. Because evidently this was an ongoing issue that they had had through this this little run of shows here. I think, you know, they, it had happened in, in Brooklyn. I think I had, when I, when we talked about this on our, on our discord, Randy had, had popped in and said, yeah, I remember something happening in, in Brooklyn where it was, it was out of tune and he was, he was mad about it. So this I think was the final straw. And I, yeah. the, the text name, uh, you can go back and, and find this information. It's Rick Weinman, uh, AKA Ricky Ramon. He had been Johnny Ramon's guitar tech. And he had been with Ed for, you know, five or six, seven years. And they actually, he comes out, he's, you can see he's a big dude. He's got some facial hair. And for the rest of the show, he does not come back. And it it came out a couple of days later that they had fired him after this show. This was the the last straw for this dude. And I, I feel bad. The guitar techs, we always shout them out. They do an amazing job. It's it's a thankless job. You you're they've got all these songs in different tunings now. You got to switch everything. And if you make a mistake, everybody knows it, right? You're, this whole show comes to a stop if you make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened here. And and this dude got fired. And yeah, you can you can just yeah, like the Jeremy eyes is a perfect way to describe it. You can tell Ed's mood changes, and mm-hmm. he and I don't know if it's it's the the multiple bottles of wine that he had probably in in taken by this point or or what but from from here on out there's there hasn't been a lot of like talking and crowd interaction at this show which was a little interesting usually on the night yeah there was no like long you, hello yeah you get some you might get some stories or something but he's very quiet in relative to a lot of other shows on this tour and I think he the, the combination of of him being drunk and these sound issues just led to kind of a a change in the mood um after sirens it it was it was nice in the sense that uh you you get that it's almost like the 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 denouement in a film you know like the Mm -hmm. the the the, and what i yeah and so what i liked about it is is knowing how the show ends and the energy that is brought and and just the what he what ed specifically ends up doing at the end of the show I thought in retrospect, it, it, you almost don't remember little moments like this because they're superseded by these amazing displays of energy and, and this, this connection with the crowd that, that you experienced during the encore. So it's, I kind of felt like it was, it was all part of telling a very fascinating story of, of what it's like to put on a concert. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no shortage of, of talking points here after, 
After Sirens, uh, we're going to finish up the main set here with the first performance of No Way since PJ20 from 2011. performance total so you guys are getting a very very deep cut here well this was huge because mm -hmm. and i'll let jason really embellish this story but you know we would always talk about this track and jason has a wonderful uh backstory about about this song that, that he's covered a few times on uh state of love and trust podcast and would, would love him to, to cover that one here but i want him to tell that story but it was a song that not one of us ever thought we would hear ever period ever again and, and jason's story will, will enlighten everyone as to why uh, so when we heard it, we both looked at each other and we had eyes bugging out of our heads like, are you kidding me? Is no this way. Happening right? No way. And it was. That's exactly what it was. So it was a treat because it was, it wasn't just a song that you got to check off. It was a song that was one of my, I don't know, it wasn't my favorite song when I first heard Yield, but it was up there when I first heard the album. It was a song, I, I just love the way it just, it kind of, kind of rev reverb cuts back in and uh, you get that kind of circular echo effect at the very beginning of the song, the album. It never sounds like that when they play live, but I didn't care because I just, it crunches, you know? So it was a song that I, I would always wish they would play live, never understood why they didn't play live, and never, I just assumed I would never hear live. And so to do so was, was a real treat. Yeah, it didn't- Jason, um, the floor is yours. <laughs> the, uh, it didn't sound like the album, as Paul said. It sounded definitely different. I think they kind of rejigged it just a tiny bit um, to, I guess, suit Stone because he's the one that didn't want to play all these times. Um, but when I saw them at the Forum here in Los Angeles in 2006, the, I believe it was the second of the two shows, July 10th, um, I went with a friend whose uncle happens to be Tim Robbins. And we got to go under the belly of the forum, the great Western LA forum, and uh, and meet Ed. He was drunk, but very cordial. Uh, I was wearing at the time, and it's still applicable at the time, my free the West Memphis three t-shirt, which he really appreciated. And uh, I'm there with my with my friend, and, and they were all a little bit younger than me, and I was what twenty four at the time. Um, so I was I was down to have a chat, and we're getting to talk, and yada yada. I asked him about a sign that I held up at the Reading PA show for Vote for Change back in '04, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, I remember you fucking show." And I and I said, "You know, I really appreciate you guys busting Leash out again for the first time in a while recently. You know, that was one of those songs we hadn't heard in a while. It reminded me of the whole Breath campaign in '98. That was obviously that was an amazing 
thing. Um, but you know, there's gonna be a new song campaign. And he goes, oh yeah, what's that? And I go, it'd be great if you guys would play No Way. And he goes, hey Stone, turns around and Stone's smoking a cigar with Dennis Rodman in the back of the room. Hey Stone, this guy's demanding we play No Way. And I said, no, 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 just a request. <laughs> just a request, guys. And Stone just gives like this really confused, like what the hell are we talking about look? And Ed's just laughing and, and, and he's having a, a laugh at me. But uh, they didn't play it again for a little bit, but uh, I will take 3% um, commission on the fact that they brought it back. You should. And, and you might want to double down on that commission for breath, by the way, buddy. Yes. That's right. Which uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll hear later on in the show. But uh, yeah, that was, it was super cool to hear that. It was super, super cool. I, I'm pretty sure it's the only time I've ever heard it and I may not ever hear it again. Um, so again, uh, completing my, if they ever play red dot, I'll complete my yield cycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to hear no way at my first show back in 98. I think it was only the second or third time they played it. And yeah, but they've only played it one time since the shows only yield walkie in 2014. They have not played the song since 2014. So it is, it is way overdue. I think you, you might be onto something if we were, if you guys are looking for a new, uh, what would that new, be? What would our next song be? I think I think it's got to be this one. You gotta you gotta bring it back. We need signs. We need a campaign. We need, oh no, we, no, we have one. We we decided we want to bring back Garden more. I know it's been played oh, enough, okay. but like we really like that, that song. It's not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. But again, Ed just starting to feel a little bit at the end mm-hmm. of No Way. You know that they he's they're repeating that ending. He just starts stalking the stage in circles, and you can tell like the animal was unleashed you're getting getting a little bit of that intensity and and what's next to end the main set it's blood it's a perfect set closer i think uh mostly because thematically the song i think really captures what a lot of artists out here feel um the commercialization of things uh the exploitation the marketing all that stuff and so i I feel, I feel like when they play a song like that here in LA, there's a little added, I don't want to call it incentive, but there's a little added relatability for a lot of folks in the crowd. But more than that, I think Ed is, is channeling um, a lot of history from what has occurred here in this place <laughs> over the last century or so. So yeah. a very apropos way to end the set. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was, you know to, to recycle this word again it's blistering it was just a blistering version of it even with uh even with ed's vocal inabilities uh, to get to certain places these days it's, <laughs> it's still shot a, by yeah, that point yeah. treat to, he definitely needs the encore break after this one that's for sure so this is again like there's there's a moment here after blood where you see ed kind of do the slit throat motion I wonder if there was like maybe a rearview mirror that was scheduled after this or something. And he, he cuts this set short and, and says like, Nope, we are done. Have we seen and the, um, the, the set list from this? I have, I, I didn't get a chance to go back and look at it. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, oh you mean, mean like the, the, the one, one he hand wrote? The original? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I wonder, wonder if, if there was some stuff crossed off. Yeah. Because you know, in talking about sirens, um, and that kind of swung his mood. I wonder that, that you know, you, we've, we've all seen live in on Corny or Imagine Cornice and, and then mm-hmm. going over the set list, right? And mm-hmm. going over the encores and they kind of just make it up on the spot sort of thing. Um, I wonder how that influenced the decision to axe, presumably RVM or. Oh, here we go. I got it. You got it up? Lucan, Lucan, hard to imagine, down, Crazy Mary, 
comatose and Ledbetter were on the set list, but were not played. Wow. Can you imagine that? Like we, we, the heart Lucan could have had that scratched off hard to imagine. Oh Oh. man. I would have killed for that one. Yep. Yep. Uh, Down. What a great deep cut. Mm -hmm. Uh, Crazy Mary. Always a delight whenever Mm -hmm. you get Mike and boom. But uh, that, that, if we could have gotten a duel, that would have been outstanding. Comatose, and uh, you know, it's one of Stip's faves, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then I mean, Yellow Ledbetter is a class. I mean, we had some great encores, but uh, those were the songs that were played. I don't know which one of those was designed to close the first set, if at all. Right. Um, I don't know how the heck he would have. It's probably not Lucan because I can't imagine those two back to back. Yeah, that's interesting. It would have been done for the night, I think. Yeah, he, w- he you can tell when he he walks off the stage like th- he leaves the stage very quickly after blood. Do they I ever think he's close talking to sets with blood? Yeah, sometimes. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it was a song that required the same guitar tech to have to come out again. And that's probably when he was like, "No, we're not doing this track. I'm not going through that again." Yeah, and yeah. he went backstage. They probably just handled some business and then came yeah, back yeah. out. I, right. I would imagine if I was a betting man, obviously pure conjecture on my part, but I could see yeah. that that being the case. Yeah, he they, like I said, they they walk off very intently, very quickly. I think Ed's talking. He's talking to Jeff or somebody. He's you can tell he's upset about something. So while they're gonna they're gonna take care of their business, we're gonna take care of a little bit of business. Um, this is the encore break. We're gonna we usually do a little station identification here and talk about Patreon. I'm not gonna spend too much time on this because uh, I want to get back to the show. We still got a lot to talk about, but I will mention very quickly. You know, I want to thank again Kathy Berenson for signing up to Patreon. If you're interested in in joining our Patreon, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Live on Four Legs. That's the number four, or you can get the Patreon app. And search for Live on Four Legs. We are on there as well. Uh, like I said, Randy will be back next week. Uh, we'll be looking to, to start up so doing a lot more of the stuff on Patreon uh, like like we have been doing for the for the first part of the year. So, again, now is a great time to join. We've got we got our uh, Concertpedia you know, Zoom party that we're going to be doing uh, late in August. We're going to be having some, some fun stuff going on in August. So, please, if you're thinking about supporting the show, Sign up one dollar a month gets you access to all the ex- uh, the extra content that we do there. Uh, super appreciate. Thanks to all our patrons for continuing to donate. All right, so we're gonna get back into the show here. Ed says we still got plenty of time. You know, we're, we're not a competitive band, especially like with other bands. Or I mean, it's music. It's 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 art. You can't win or you can't whatever. But so with other bands, I mean, we're we're grateful for other bands. We're we're certainly grateful for you know, the bands that, that brought us here the first time back in 91, which was, uh, we played with Nirvana and, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers brought us. And uh, we, were, we were just so, still so grateful to Flea and Anthony and Chad and, and now Josh. And, uh, and of course, my, my great, great friend, Jack Irons, who uh, that's how I met Stone and Jeff, so. We, uh, our band owes so much to that band. And, and literally, I, I owe so much to, to Jeff and Stone and Mike for having faith in me in the early days. And, and, um, and Matt for agreeing to, to be in our band even though I was in it. <laughs> this, one, this one goes back so far it was before I even even met these guys or, or even really knew who they were and, uh, and uh, it was just something that I, I was sitting on the edge of the, of the bed a long long time ago it was just a bit south of here about an hour and a half south of here 
And, um, and, uh, and then uh, we get a little, another little interesting performance here. We're going to talk about Ed's, you know, still a little bit pissed off. He says this one was uh, written sitting on the edge of the bed a little bit south of here. And it's Better Man. And the ending of this Better Man, I don't know if you remember, right before the the jam is over, he runs by Cameron, gives him the signal. Again, gives him like the the, the cut the throat signal, like cut it off. Like he's like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do, save it for later tonight. Matt doesn't see him and goes into the breakdown for save it for later. Mm. And Ed turns around and gives him a look like, Dude, I told you not to do that. He is pissed off. And you can tell he does not give a fuck about the end of this song. Do you remember that? What was the vibe like here? It was confusing. Yeah. I didn't, I was trying to, I was just really enjoying the moment. And I'm like, I'm following Ed. And I'm like, what is he doing up there? Like, usually they're all kind of simpatico when it comes to ending a song, or ending a mm-hmm. jam. And they didn't seem to be. So what the hell was going on? It's also very, it's not very strange, but it's a little strange to have Better Man be the first song out of an encore. It is. Usually it's you strange. have it like like one of the last couple of ones of the six or seven of an encore um, as they build. So the, the other thing, it might even be the last one. Um, but therein usually is the, the tag. And you're right. For whatever reason, he, you know, the thing with Sirens and then what, however they ended um blood and didn't go into whatever they're going to maybe play next it, it was it carried over and i and i, I wonder mm-hmm. if the whole thing with the guitar with ricky just really got under his under his nails and he maybe he wasn't happy with his performance and it's hard to know why he you know maybe maybe he felt that things were going on too long because i mean they'll they'll chop that down and not do a tag if he's like shit we're getting along in the tooth tonight and i got a whole bunch yeah. of songs that yeah. I, I do want to play that guy I can understand, but to do so so abruptly, you know, to Matt, just it seems out of character, and to be so mad about it, um, it's it's hard to know what he was thinking. Yeah, it's strange because a lot of times the, especially these night two shows, the the vibe is so good, and this one is just, it's very strange to see him, just very visibly frustrated and angry during mm. these performances. Yeah, I wonder if this was the, maybe the spot where, you know, the hard to imagine would have been, you know, where you would have come out and gotten something like that, some kind of a deep cut to come out. And, yeah, it's interesting, too, because they followed immediate, immediately up with Daughter. So, like, yeah, if you're if you're worried about time, you don't bring out Daughter and play for eight minutes yeah. and 41 seconds, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> I, it couldn't have been about time, right? Because even if it was about time, they wouldn't have played after hours after that. So, like, it's it's really confusing there's all these songs on, on the menu here that they could have played and they chose not to. But so why keep in a song like after hours, why play daughter for eight and a half minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Daughter is interesting too. Cause there's, there's a moment where a, a beach ball is thrown on stage and Ed sees this as an opportunity to, to take out some frustration on this beach ball runs over and just kicks the shit out of it even like loses the the microphone for a second, like stops singing, which he normally doesn't do, but he like sees this and goes, Oh, okay, here's a chance for me to. And like, we've talked about at the beginning, he always wears his heart on his sleeve. You always know exactly what he's feeling. There's a little bit of a call and response tag, but then it felt like 
it felt like this another brick in the wall was kind of like a fallback like oh you know here's here's something that i know the crowd is going to pick up on so here's something that i you know uh, you know another brick in the wall for 2013 is not you know it's not something they were really feeling at the time. It seems like they were, they were no, kind of moving was, on to different things. That was that was like years prior that they were playing yeah. that one afterwards or singing that yeah. one in the, in the tag. So that that was a little odd. I mean, it, it's it's yeah. nice to hear, but like, I don't know. There, what, what was the point where he started being less creative with those tags and just kind of sat on two or three? You know, uh, they, I don't it would rotate he's... through. It seemed like every every tour leg you would get one would kind of he would jump on one and do it for a few shows, and then that one fall off, and another one would pick up, and you would you would always you would get things mixed in with WMA or get things mixed in. Like you mm. would you would get something new that they had been feeling, and then you would get another brick in the wall. Then you would get WMA. But yeah, this one's this is weird. It it felt a little. It just didn't didn't feel like it, their heart was in it. Uh, maybe that's just me. And that's the other thing with daughter. And we spoke about this a couple episodes ago on our show, but the thing with daughter is it feels like the best part of that these days is the buildup to the tag and that groove and that bed of like that atmosphere that that whole mm-hmm. um, outro it's kind the, of creates. The anticipation, the, the whole crowd knows yeah. what's coming. Yeah. It's like, what are we going to get? What are we going to get? Yeah, yeah, where does it go? Like, is it going to be? It's okay. Everyone loves that since Jones Beach, you know, and and you know, another brick in the wall is cool, but you know, the, I feel like it, to a certain point, sometimes the choice he's, he's making on these tags is, is a little phoning it in, and this is one that we've heard a, a ton of times before. And again, if you're in a bad mood, why are you going back to the well? Don't you want to spice things up a little bit if you're going to be taking eight and a half minutes to do daughter? Yeah. yeah um you mentioned after hours we get a little section here um after hours the velvet underground cover if you close the door this night could last forever leave the sun shine out say hello to never all the people are dancing and they're having so much fun I wish it could happen to me But if you close the door I'd never have to see the light again If you close the door The night could last forever Leave the white glass out And make a toast and never Oh, someday I know someone will look into my eyes and say Hello, you're my very special one But if you close the door I'll never have to see the day again Dark party bars, shiny Cadillac cars And the people on subways and trains in the rain and can so disarray oh but people look so well in the dark if you close the door the night will last forever leave the sun 
sunshine out and take a toast to never the people are dancing they're having so much fun I wish it could happen to me but if you close the door I'll never have to see the light again oh no I'll never have to see the light again one more time I wish I'd have to see the light again After Hours obviously played you know Lou Reed had passed away um earlier in 2013 so they had they had broken out started to break out this this velvet underground cover a few times in this west coast leg live debut that night yeah i saw a couple of people mention that this version especially was a little more intense than some of the other ones i thought that might have been due you know to ed's frame of mind that we've obviously keep harping on but yeah it, it felt like this one you know a lot of the other ones have kind of more of a sweet kind of lilting feel to it this one definitely does not no, no, it was pretty intense. And I, I will say I've never really been the biggest Velvet Underground or Lou Reed fan, but I do appreciate the classics. And I'm, I'm glad that I got to hear this because they there are a number of covers over the years that they really haven't played all that much. There are some that they play into the ground and there are some that haven't been played all that much at all. I mean, who can remember Walking the Cow back at, you know, Mountain View? Sure. There's, there's certain songs like that. They're like, man, wouldn't it be cool if they busted that out again after all these years? But they then they'll think of something brand new and they'll break out, draw the line at Fenway with Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith. I'm like, holy shit, they're bringing out Tom. Right. So like, I appreciate a new fresh cover every now and again. So I'm not going to be mad at it, but I will say that it was, um, it was a the start of a couple of songs, a few songs here that I just don't really care about. So for me, the encore starts off, you know, unknowing, you know, at that point, I'm probably pretty drunk too. So not super aware of what's in Ed's mind and you get better man, you get daughter. I'm like, oh shit, this is great. And then it kind of drops to after hours. I'm like, okay, this is cool and all, but like, I don't really know this song too, too well. And then Mm -hmm. sleeping by myself, it's like, for me, that song that when I heard that that was on lightning bolt, I was like, really guys, we're going to take a song off of Ed's uke album and then zhuzh it up and make it a full band and and that's that's gonna take a spot on this record that that always annoyed me it's a fine rendition it's it's okay i just whenever i see it on a set list now or if i'm playing the, the you know the album on my on my phone or whatever i'm just like why why do they yeah it's just, just take it's it off? just always a set killer it feels like it always kills it the momentum you're in a fucking encore why yeah. are you wasting my time with with this kind of a song and then to go into mother which I really don't like. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Pink Floyd <laughs> fan, but I cannot stand this song. I'm sorry. Third Pink not... Floyd reference of the night because you got Interstellar Overdrive, you get another Brick in the Wall Part 2, and here yeah. you get Mother. I, dude, a little, I, I, little I two love on it. the nose. I love, I love Pink Floyd, but if you're going to go that route, if you're going to steer into it, you know, give me Comfortably Numb or, or, or find sure. another new Pink Floyd song to do. Like, I'm down. You want, you want to give me... Uh, um, have a cigar, go for it. Like, but mother, just oh, that, that, that's that, Foo Fighters territory. You're talking, you're getting into Foo Fighters territory there. I am, I am. You're right. They've done that one. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, this, this 22 through 24, after hours, sitting by myself, mother, again, like I said earlier, I am not the type of person to leave for uh, a pee break or a beer, unless I'm dying, of course, uh, uh, of having to pee, but like, I don't leave. But I'm just like, I, I tune out a little bit. My energy comes down. And then, I mean, luckily we're saved 
by maybe my favorite song of the entire Pearl Jam catalog. But like, that's tough in an encore to have those three songs in a row. And I can't be the only one. Yeah. It's, it's a, it, like you said, it's, this encore is structured very weird. You open up with Better Man Daughter, two huge crowd favorites. You get into three more obscure songs, two of which are covers. People don't really know. Then you come back, like you mentioned, then you come back with Breath, Go, and Porch. Unbelievable. And this encore. <laughs> and yeah, like Breath is, is, it's good here. And I, I agree. I, you know, you mentioned it was one of your favorite songs, maybe your favorite song. But it felt like this was almost a missed opportunity. Ed disappears for a big portion of it. Mike really picks it, pick up the slack, and is really feeling mm. it, and really carries the song. But it yeah. felt like this should have been thrown in a little earlier. You needed this kind of jolt of electricity earlier in this encore, and then uh, then you followed up. You know, go is the intense. You know that this is the one like we've been waiting for leading into a to a really good version of porch here where it seems yeah. like the mood almost lightened a little bit like it would, you know the second bottle the third bottle of wine has kicked in and he's starting to loosen up a little bit here so yeah the the end of this encore like we're getting back to fan favorites here yeah and, and i'm not here to say that it has to be all fan favorites i am down to hear the the deep cuts i, I you know i I am sort of competitive with myself where I do want to like, I want to hear every album in full. I want to make sure that I've heard all my favorite songs played live. It's just like this weird little OCD thing that I have that I really want to kind of get through all these albums. So to, for me to take nine or so 10 minutes out of the set and break up better man and daughter and breath go and porch with those three songs, it's a letdown. Like you could have had something else in there. Like I said, yeah, it might not have been the best performance of Breath, but I love the song so much that it didn't matter too much at that point. Yeah. I was just happy yeah. to hear it after what I just heard. <laughs> so then to get into Go, which I adore, and then into a blistering porch. And by the way, and I'll send this to you, I have video uh, from my position in the crowd of um, the aforementioned Ed swinging on the green globes during okay. porch. Yeah. So yeah, I, will, I will get those to you and you can put them up uh, wherever. Maybe I'll put them on the, on the community page too. Yeah. But um, yeah. It was, it, you're right. It, it felt like something changed and maybe go was the song or maybe even breath was the song to kind of snap him out of the funk and, and, and porch felt much more celebratory. Yeah. You get, you get a really long jam. The, the green balls come down. Like you mentioned, they're having fun. Ed does the thing where he's, he holds up his guitar. He's reflecting the light off the guitar all around the arena goes for a ride on the green ball while he's singing a little again the inebriation like we 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 don't know for sure i'm just i'm just guessing here but seemed like he was lucky to to make it without falling down off the green ball oh he definitely point. he definitely looked like he could have a couple of yeah. times i'm not going to lie yeah. and you'll see it in the video when I, when i when i send it to you but like it, you know what it, we if you were around in the early days you saw him probably worse than that climbing rafters and I know oh, he's yeah. 48 at the time, but like it was, it was just fun to see him letting loose in a way that, you know, the, the, the Jeremy eyes were fading a little bit and it felt more like a, almost like a happy drunk. It wasn't, he wasn't totally back into himself, but it felt better. And you got that. And the, I think the crowd reaction to the last couple of songs kind of helped him kind of get back. Um, and so that's why you have a nine minute porch and you have 
the, I think I remember Jeff really kind of bouncing around on the stage and, you know, he does the whole thing where he kind of chucks the ball out and then he mm-hmm. avoids it with his head. Like, you know, it, it's just, it, it felt like they came around and it was, it was great that they ended the second or the first encore that way. Um, getting into the second. Yeah. They, they come out for the second encore. Ed says, so when does a, a Pearl Jam concert end? When does a Pearl Jam concert When they kick us out. <laughs> How many songs does it take for one fucking Pearl Jam concert? The world will never know. Uh, a nod to the old Tootsie Roll pop commercials from the 80s. Uh, how many songs does it take to get to the end of Pearl Jam concert? The world may never know. <laughs> it's a great and they come out and, uh, and, and turn around to the back and play Last Kiss. Uh, you get the, you know, Matt standing up on his separate little, uh, mm-hmm. little kid drum kit there. Ed never really goes to the back, though. Again, kind of a, a weird thing. Like, normally he's out there playing it up to the back, but he's just kind of stands up there by the drum riser but the the crowd's into it it's it's just it seems like they were again starting to have a little bit of fun here yeah i mean we saw earlier in the show where he went back there and recognized the back uh, the back of the crowd and i always thought it was interesting that they opened up the venues that way i'd never seen anybody play event play an indoor arena where they opened up behind the stage i was like who the hell would want to go back there but if you go on on YouTube and you watch some of these shows over the years where I think it's like PJ video guy, or there's another guy out there, I forget his name, who, um, who stitches together fan videos. And sometimes you'll get a show where a lot of the concerts filmed from behind the stage. And it's like, Ooh, that is interesting. Like, I don't know if I could do the entire show from back there, but it's definitely super interesting to see what the band sees and to see kind of like, the behind the curtain aspect of the non-fired roadies walking around and doing (laughs) stuff and the behind Matt. Cause you know, Matt's he's Matt McFucking Cameron. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Well played. Well played. (laughs) And uh, you get to see him kind of do his thing. And and Matt's so unbelievable that it's always a treat for the, for the, the the back of the, of the arena to get that. Um, And it's almost always last kiss. So you kind of know it's coming, but um you know, it's it's smart of them, I think, to start with that song and keep things on a, on a on a high, because um, it, it is a crowd favorite. It's been put a ton. It's um, I I do enjoy it because of the mood that it creates, even if it's not my most favorite cover. Um, but it always it's it's a crowd pleaser. It's a it's a lighthearted jam, and it's a good way to get us back into the swing of things here. Yeah, it's uh the the back of this the back of this arena was spoiled a little bit because they got that extra verse on "Given to Fly" earlier too sung to them, mm-hmm. and then they get a whole other song here. Ooh, one and a quarter songs. That's right. <laughs> interesting, uh, interesting choice here. You get "Unthought Known." That's in an a real too. weird one to put here. Yeah, yeah, and I wonder if this was kind of a maybe a they were thinking like, oh, we'll kind of we'll kind of capture this crowd again. Because Unthought Known has kind of become, you know, next to Just Breathe, it's probably the one off of Backspacer that people really connect with. But, yeah. again, it seemed like it just kind of fell flat a little bit. Like, yeah, you could have used maybe a comatose or or something to, you know, get get people a little, get going a little bit here at the end. Because you don't really get that, 
you know, even like something like a life wasted, you sometimes get an encore too, where you give them, you give everybody one last chance to go nuts, right? You give them one last fast one before you get to the bread and butter and get to the end. Yeah. And it seemed like I mean, I this, wonder, yeah. I was just saying, I wonder if it was just a chance to kind of, they, they had the time, so they had to put a song there and they knew they were going to play Love, Rain, or Me Alive and Rock in the Free World. And so they thought, okay, well, let's just pick out something else here and then it'll, it's not as intense of a workout as, as singing wise as love is. Um, and so maybe that was the choice to not go super, super hard, but it did. I mean, I do enjoy the song. It is a crowd pleaser, but you, you don't expect a backspacer song to be the fourth to last song of, of a, of a show. It's just a little strange. Yeah, it was a little strange. And the, the cover choice too. I mean, this is, you know, again, keeping with like the, the seventies classic rock theme you're getting love rain over me which is a very good cover and you you know everyone always loves the the chance for boom to shine but it mm -hmm. it felt a little out of place here to me well i mean i think it definitely is an encore song i don't i think it's that's the problem is that it's right before live and because it's right before live you kind of i don't, i feel like you have to kind of build to a live um, in a sense and love right over me kind of has like a real cathartic crashing ending that like almost like where do you go from there sort of thing like maybe it should have closed or been right before porch maybe i don't know it just is, it feels weird before alive and it's also difficult because the best version i ever heard of the song by far is the vh1 show at at uh, right. the poly pavilion at, over at ucla back in 08 um, when they were honoring the who that is easily the best version i've ever heard of that song um and so i'm always i always kind of compare it in my head to that uh but nevertheless i do really enjoy it so i didn't i didn't mind it but it was slightly odd to have it right before live which you know as as paul has said it was i mean that's the moment that's the, that that's that's the culminating moment um and everything after that is an epilogue um where i'm from yeah, we're we're finishing it out here with Alive and Rockin' in the Free World. And this this Alive, you know, I, I want to give, you know, we Paul had to uh had to leave like we mentioned, but I want to give uh let's give Paul one last chance cuz he he talked about this version of Alive and I want to play uh what what Paul said before he left us. So let's let's take a second and listen to uh to to Paul here finish it out for us. What I loved about the encore Aside from Ed swinging around on those globes, which I thought was just vintage Ed, and, and it was a type of thing that I never thought I would see from him at that age. You know, I thought that you know those days of climbing rafters and doing that kind of that kind of stuff was just gone. And so to see that between that and the way Immortality was introed and some of these things, it really felt like a throwback show in terms of what they were doing on stage and just the, the various moments of dissatisfaction, frustration, it really felt like a show from the 90s in a lot of ways. But the signature moment for me and the, the, the most indelible moment that I'll never forget is during a live when at the end, the entire crowd is just joining into that chorus at the end going, hey, hey. And I turn around, I just saw a sea of people, a sea of hands all in unison saying and doing the exact same thing. It was the most euphoric thing I'd ever experienced at a concert before. And that you can't experience that if you're not right up against the stage like that. And uh, you, you turn around and you see an army, a legion of Pearl Jam fans, just 
joining in that that affirmation of yes we are, are alive and uh and i'll never forget that and so if anybody listening ever gets a chance to see pearl jam live and you're ever on the floor take that in just turn around like just, just breathe that in because it's it's just pure magic especially after not and having them go being gone for so long you know that's going to be a special moment coming oh, back man. oh it absolutely is so i apologize that i have to to move on early here but uh i wanted to share just those couple of quick thoughts and uh, i trust uh my, my steward jason to, to to carry us home I just
really good version of Alive. Kind of a, a funny moment where Mike goes to solo out in the crowd and falls down. The <laughs> solo like abruptly stops. He he does like a, a brief crowd surf. Uh, do you remember seeing that? Did you get to to yeah, witness he, that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I remember him coming up to the rail like that, and I was thinking, what is he doing over there? And I, I think it, I don't think it was the first time he'd done that. Uh, not not in that tour necessarily, but in the last decade or so, I, I've seen him do that maybe a couple other times. Um, he, I felt like he almost fell into it because I've seen him kind of go up onto the edge of the security barrier and kind of like you know shred to people's faces. But I've never seen him kind of fall into the crowd like that. So that was a little bit weird when I heard the, the music stop. But you know, like like Paul was saying, it was when you get to that point in the song, you sort of lose yourself. And I do remember, like Paul said, turning around and seeing the entirety of the you know eighteen thousand people, whatever it is, all in unison singing "Hey, hey, hey" and fist pumping. And there's just a moment. Um, with alive and, and and like we're talking about daughter building to the the cool atmospheric tag and what are they going to do it's like you use alive to kind of build to the solo and the outro and it's just like is it ever going to end who cares this is amazing it can never stop like that's the kind of thing you're always feeling and that's how it felt in, at, at night uh, that at that night and yeah. to be like i said at the very very top to be on the floor amongst all of it um, with good friends, it's, it's, it's not an experience that you can really replicate. Um, the only thing that really comes close is going to Seattle in 2018 and being in a very similar point of a much bigger, uh, stadium, um, with my wife at her very first show and having the exact same alive experience, um, and seeing the glee on her face and being like, holy shit, this is what you've been talking about. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. So to, to, re to reverse back to 2013, it was just, it's a legendary venue. We knew that going in and to get that song, it's, it's the, the full celebration. So the vibe you were getting from, from porch carried through uh, and you got it through alive and it, and it teed us up wonderfully for the last song. Yeah. Alive is one too. I mean, you know, we, we've got, you know, we've got shows coming up. We've got see here now and we've got Ohana, we've got Ohana mm -hmm. encore. We got more shows coming in 2022. How are they going to be able to stop playing alive like how is it not going to be just go on for 20 minutes like how do you stop at this point when when they come back like the the crowds are not going to let them stop playing it i i would i would love to get a a 15 20 minute version of alive they're going to get to a point yeah they're going to get to a point where the uh the uh, the vent the venue coordinators and be like tapping on their wristwatch be like um i know uh -huh. buddy but you gotta go that's it's a ten thousand dollar fine and they're gonna be like fuck it we'll play on that's right that's um, right <laughs> i'm getting yeah i'm getting gonna of, be... uh msg in 03 when they said fuck it to the mm -hmm. to the curfew but um yeah, i mean well dude I'll, I'll find out um like i mentioned before i, I will be at ohana yeah. um both weekends I believe Paul is joining me on the last of the three nights. Uh, we cannot wait. And I have no idea what they're going to start. I hope they start with release because that's what it's going to mean. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, do, it, do, it almost doesn't even matter. Like it'll be, it'll be in, insane no matter what it's they, be they could come out. They could come out with Lucan and people would be like bawling and like losing their shit. Yeah. yeah. Now I know life is worth. That's right. Um, <laughs> So we're going to finish the show with Rockin' the Free World. Another kind of moment here where at the end of Rockin' the Free World, Ed 
kind of grabs Mike as he's finishing the solo and again does the does the cut it throat motion like do not start yellow lead better we are done because there's that moment like right after yeah. rock in the free world sometimes mike will just go into yellow lead better right ed made sure after what happened with better man that he was 100 percent clear this is the end of the show we are yeah. not doing yellow lead better we are out of here so yeah again then he falls down in the center of the stage takes a big swig of wine spits it up Dude is dude is having a night here. Oh yeah, it was it was a yeah. a whirlwind of emotion for him. He was happy. He was sad. He was angry. So I I mean he's probably just at that point he knew he was uh, done and uh, yeah. maybe they were up yeah. against the time wise. I don't recall what time they finished that night, but you know I'm so yeah. conditioned now to always hear let better close a show. Like I can't remember the last time I went to a show and they didn't close with it. Uh, funnily enough, and as much as I love the, sh- the song. I'd be okay with not hearing it the next time. I mean, actually not the next time because I haven't seen them in so long, but like, you know, maybe night three of Ohana, maybe they don't just, you know, just for change things up a little bit. Like maybe just end on rocking or end on fucking up or end on indifference mm-hmm. or something like that. Get a Bob O'Reilly um, or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Hey, rocking the free world, always fun. At that point, you're just gassed and you're like, you, you basically spent everything you had in a live. And I'm just like, all right, Keely, turn the lights on. Let's, uh, let's wander down. <laughs> Yeah, and there, there's a moment in this too where Mike, you know, goes down to his little, you know, platform below the stage, and he's got his heads in his hands, and he's saying like, he's screaming no, or he's saying I don't know. It was just a weird moment. You couldn't tell what he was looking at or if he was talking to someone in the crowd, but off the again, stage, strange, strange moment. Yeah, he, like during the end of the song, like when oh, I didn't see that Stone was soloing. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Hmm. Um, Ed comes on, does the band thank yous. They do not do the bow at this show. Interesting enough, they 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 cut that out. Ed runs through the band members. Poor Stone does not get mentioned uh, in the band thank yous, but he does thank Gene Simmons. Mike McCready, Jeff Ed, Ed, Gene Simmons, Matt Cannon, Boom Gasper. Uh, who yep. evidently was on the side of the stage, yeah, right uh, next to Mike, among, among others. Yeah, so yeah, and and they they cut it short in the walk off, and they are done. Mike takes a couple of Polaroids at the end, and and that is it. Um, so yeah, what we it, do? Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it was it was it was just a it was a strange night, but because of who we were with, it it, it didn't matter. Um, and just you know, a, a very odd main set and how it went back and forth, uh, as we discussed. But still, I mean, any night out of Pearl Jam is gonna be a good time. So yeah. So what we do here, we we've come to the end of the show. Uh, we give our our top three moments from the night. Um, I will go first. Lead us off uh, since you were there. We'll let you uh, bring it home. My number one is gonna be uh, my number three. I should say we'll count backwards. Is immortality. Uh, like you talked about, just much needed in the set. Absolutely fantastic uh, solo for Mike and a little cool jam at the end. Matt just kills it. That's my my number three. My number two moment, I thought the the beginning, uh, the ocean's low light present tense, I'm going to kind of combine those into one. Uh, very cool way to start the show. I felt like it kind of didn't live up to that intro like it felt like we were you should have gotten something 
a little more epic than what you did get. And uh, my my number one, I'm gonna stay away from all the drama at the show. My number one's gonna be gonna be no way. You know, you talked about mm-hmm. what a, what a cool thing that was. First time they played it since PJ Twenty. Only one time since. Just a just a really surprise kind of deep cut here to get at this show. I think really elevated it into uh, into something really cool. So, do you have uh, do you have your top three moments you can share with us? Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I assume that we are being positive with our moments here. So uh, you can go s- however you want to go. No, no, no. I, I like to stay positive. So I am going to go um, with present tense being so early and how I think it really. Um, was a wonderful transition song from the quiet kind of stuff to the mid tempo, a um, little bit more aggressive stuff. And that was a perfect placement for that song going into Corduroy. Uh, I would say number two would be No Way. I think it coming out of nowhere uh, first time. And I think, what is it, 64 shows, something like that, they had played it um, since PJ 20. That was amazing to hear. I think, it was a, I think it was the only time I've ever heard the song. So we were so stoked to listen to that. And then I think the uh, the interlude of Porch, because we saw the the happy or the happier um, Ed come out and, and to see him kind of swinging across and then kind of uh, once he was done with that in the very outro, he was kind of leaning on the fans up on the security riser. Um, it felt like he it felt like from my vantage point that he felt like he was back with the crowd and that he felt more comfortable again. And that's kind of why you got the, uh, the last encore the way that it was uh, in a more uh, positive tone. So those would be my three. Very cool. Very cool. I will, I will let you give the, the rating first then. So on a scale of one to 10, where would you, where would you rank this one in the Pantheon? I would give this a cool, 7.5. Okay. Yeah. 7.5. I, you know, I went back and forth on this one and I considered, you know, giving it a, a good score. Cause there are, there are really good moments, but I think the, just the whole vibe of it is weird. And I don't think it, I don't think the lightning bolt song stuff came off like they expected it to the kind of gimmicky, thing mm-hmm. like let's do every other song i'm gonna give this one a six um and again some great performances some memorable things but i think too much too much drama ed's in a bad mood not a lot of stories not a lot of banter back and forth yeah and I i'm just, gonna revise mine i'm gonna say a seven <laughs> okay that's fair um i just think yeah this one it's it's just weird and I, it's not something that i'll probably go back to you know, aside from just that that moment of, you know, the the kind of uniqueness of just watching Ed kind of have a meltdown. Yeah, that was weird. During the show. Yeah, strange, strange. I would, I would so, be right there with you because outside of the fact that it's a show that I've been to, so reliving, you know, the positive experience of being on, on the floor during a Pearl Jam show in general, um, that's not a complete disaster is yeah. a great time. So I think that's the extra point bump that I've given. Sure. Yeah. Right you there. guys, you, you know, you're with biased. Paul, you're with your friends. Like you guys, yeah. you have a blast. Like you said, you, you weren't even aware of a lot of this, of a lot of the stuff yeah. that was happening on stage. You know, I'm, you probably don't, a lot of the people there probably didn't realize that, you know, it's only going back and watching the video that we, we pick up on these kind of cues and things that you know what to look for. Well, Jason, thank you so much. We got through it, man. 
Thank you we so much for helping out, coming on the show. Thanks to Paul. Uh, let's uh, let's give you a chance to to talk about State of Love and Trust. Talk a little bit about uh, what you guys do over there, if people aren't familiar. So uh, if you are new to us, uh, yeah, me and Paul do State of Love and Trust, new episodes every Tuesday morning. And uh, we try and dive into, I think we kind of stay in more of the, uh, the studio um, portion of the music and try and attach songs and albums to um, current events, um, both uh, outside of the band and as part of, part of the band's uh, journey. Um, and really try to kind of zero in on which songs apply to those things and why. And we have um, kind of a top three or top five types of things that are, it can be kind of silly, like, you know, it could be just a, a top five riff of a record, or it could be, you know, hey, talk about, you know, a song that really represents one of the pillars of the Vitality Foundation and talk about why that works for that. And what could be a new pillar of the Vitality Foundation if they added a fourth and what song would be great with that and that kind of thing. So we can get cerebral, we can kind of fun and silly and, and superficial. And then we always end the show with uh, a lyric of the week. So we kind of take a chunk of lyrics out of a song and kind of dissect them from different angles. And then end with uh, the best live version of that song to, to Paul's rules, because Paul has very specific rules. It has to be uh, from the time period that the song was released. So there is some guardrails there. But so we end the show with that. And uh, it's a fun time. Uh, we try and keep things um, relatively tight, but I think everything has its place. And I think that amongst the rest of the Pearl Jam podcast community, um, we have our own little pocket in uh, you guys and, and Brandon and Into Deep guys and the Porch Gals. And we all kind of have our own little enclaves that we uh, do really well. And I think it's a, a lovely compliment to uh, everybody else. So uh, happy to be along in the community here. And uh, please check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, excellent. Please do. And you guys were were nice enough to have me on last year. That's true. Uh, we, we talked about uh, some Georgia shows after the election and we talked about some stuff there. So thank you for that. Happy to return the favor. Uh, glad to have you on. We'll have to have you guys back in a couple of years when we get to another Los Angeles show finally. <laughs> okay. I can talk about <laughs> any other show you want. I've been to 20 some odd shows. Nice, nice. Uh, check out State of Love and Trust. Uh, we'll be back, of course, next week with a new episode. We'll be uh, going back to the year 2000, going back to the uh, the, the iconic. 2000. That's right. The, the iconic end of that tour, the Seattle uh, November 6, 2000 show. Nice. Randy will be back next week. We're here. I miss you already. Not for much longer. I don't. I'm usually checked out by the end of the show. I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> so we will say uh, good night. Uh, talk to you guys next week. Bye.
back down Cause he wanted to share His key to the locks on the chains That he swore everywhere Oh, but first he was stripped Then he was stabbed by a faceless man, yeah